Hello and welcome to the Unorganized and Lost podcast. I'm your host, Michelle. I am here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. Today, I have Nikki B back. I have returned, everyone. <laughs> You're but, welcome. But for different reasons. And now she is Nicolette Arstingstall because in her line of business when working in real estate, she is Nicolette Arstingstall. So if I say Nikki, Nick, Nicolette, same person. Mm-hmm. We're here together and we're going to talk about real estate, mainly for first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Just a side note on that. We'll talk a little branding for a second <laughs> because I'm all about the branding. I think I'm actually in my real estate business going to start going by Nikki B. Arstingstall because funny enough, that is what my brokerage put on my business cards for me. And I was like, why did I never think of doing Nikki B. Arstingstall? This makes 3000 times more sense because I can keep the whole Absolutely. Nikki B logos I already have. Like I can, and it's just Nikki is a lot easier when talking to people, especially on the phone. So, I love that. Nikki B. Arsting style flows I really know. well. I, ca- I kind of feel like Michael B. Jordan, you know, it's yeah. like, it sounds very, uh, I don't know. It just sounds kind of fancy and I don't know. I like I that. Famous. So if you're trying to buy a house, look up Nikki B. Arstingstall mm-hmm. or Nikki B. Golf. I feel like it's a better realtor name, Nikki B. Arstingstall, rather than Nicolette Arstingstall. I agree. It flows really well. Mm-hmm. Nicolette Arstingstall sounds like I'm trying to be like royalty when I'm really not. You could be. In, <laughs> Thank a, you. in a different life, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So where should we start? Let's see. So first time home buyers, what is maybe some misinformation that they don't have, or maybe some first steps they should take for someone who is thinking I should be a home buyer or may- actually we're going to back up. Mm-hmm. Let's give a couple tips for someone who hasn't even thought about buying a home. Okay. First and foremost, meet with a loan officer or a lender, um, someone who does mortgages, lending, someone in that business because Mike Freeman caliber. Oh, shout out Mike Freeman. (laughs) Also shout out to my lender, Amanda Stevenson. Um, But honestly, there's so many great loan officers out there, so many great different companies. um, And it's super important to meet with them. So you even know what you need to do in order to buy a home. So a lot of people, um, think that, Oh God, I don't even have any money to buy a home. Like I I don't even know where to start. Start with a loan officer, a a loan officer. It's super helpful because they can guide you and tell you what you need to have in order to buy a home. They'll tell you how much money you need to have in the bank, what you need to provide, what your credit score needs to be. They help you with all of that. So even if you're like, I'm not ready to buy for probably another five to 10 years, they can still help you. They can help you set up a game plan so that when that time comes, you are ready rather than jumping into it and then finding out that you really are not ready and you don't have anything ready to go. So definitely meeting with them. Um, that that's their job. Their yeah. job is to help you figure out, you know, how to qualify and the best option for you. Um, and a lot of people just don't know the options out there. Also, I mean, something that's a myth you're, you can, um, shop, uh, quote unquote shop or meet with up to three different lenders without your credit score being affected. So you can meet up to three different lenders or loan officers, um, sit, you know, submit your application, get your everything run, like your credit score, um, and your credit score won't get dinged. So I didn't know your credit score got dinged even 
doing that. Yeah, I mean, it does anytime you uh, like apply for a loan for something. So if you buy a car, yeah. if you buy home, um, it will, but you can shop up to three lenders. Cause the problem is when you meet with a loan officer or lender, I mean, and these terms are interchangeable. So I'm just going to go with loan officer from, you know, yeah. from now on. Um, but if you meet with a loan officer, yeah, uh, your everything, you know, your credit score is going to have to get checked. Um, they have to do all that paperwork. They have to, you know, do your employment verification. Um, they have to just get into your finances. So, um, when you go to buy home, your credit score, I mean, will get dinged a little bit, but, um, it shouldn't be anything too drastic, but you can meet up to three. And I do highly suggest for people to shop and meet with multiple lenders because here I go using lender instead of loan officer. But anyway, but me, <laughs> me with, um, multiple because one may have a better program for you and a better rate than another one. So definitely don't just go with the first person that you meet with. It's, and also they're trying to earn your business. So, Got it. so if you tell them like, Hey, you know, you know, that's, a, that's a great rate and all, or that's a great program. But like this person over here told me that I could get this. Well then guess what? They're going to fight for you if they want your business. So, um, definitely use that in your favor and definitely meet with more than one person. Don't just go with the first, the first one that you talk to. Interesting. So you would suggest doing that obviously before starting the whole, let's start looking for a house. It's like, yes. And cool. please, 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 before you even get on Zillow, before you even get on realtor, before you even get on Trulia, before you even get on Redfin, any of the sites looking at homes, meet with a lender, like figure out what you can even afford. Because here's the thing you might think you can afford more than what you can, or you might think that you can afford less than what you can. So your lender is going to uh, like kind of set it out for you and show you like, if you put this much down, or if you have this much money in the bank, like if you want this to be your payment every month, this is actually the house that you can afford. So they help you figure out all the finance stuff that me and you are like, just get very, um, kind of fl like flustered at, you know, like I hate, <laughs> I hate all the financial I'm stuff, so bad at finance. but they're, th that's their job and they can help you figure out what you can afford and what makes the most sense for you. Um, and you, cause a lot of times people are looking at a price range that's way too much for them or even way too low for them. So definitely first and foremost, before even looking at homes and getting all excited, meet with a lender or loan officer. Interesting. Okay. So now we have a lender or a loan officer kind of figured out how much we can afford. We got our credit in check. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest people do when it comes to either getting a real estate agent or starting to look at homes? Like, do you even suggest someone goes online or like, what do you have them like figure out like, okay, I need like things they need and mm -hmm. then things they want. Like, is that a list that yeah. you have people set up or how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's definitely important to meet with the, the lender first, because if you do want to make an offer on a home, you have to have a pre-approval ready to go. And right now in this market, it's super hot. Houses come on the market on a Thursday. They have open houses on Saturday and Sunday, and they're looking at offers on Monday. So if you wow. don't have your pre-approval letter ready to go and your pre-approval letter, you get that from a lender or loan officer. So if you don't have that ready to go, you can't write an offer and you're going to miss out on your dream house. So that's why it's important to me. And it's, it's very hard. I mean, 
typically loan officers and lenders, I mean, they work Monday through Friday, nine to five. A lot of times they really do work 24 seven, but it's really hard for them to last second, you know, get all the, all the documentation they need from you to get you a pre-approval. So I would highly suggest, um, that you do that first. But I mean, as far as starting your home search and where to go, um, I mean, you can do a, a multiple, I mean, a, a bunch of different ways. I would suggest, First and foremost, if you know someone, if there's a family member or if there is a friend that you like, know, and trust, um, use them or at least interview them. Um, give them the chance to earn your business. I know sometimes it can get a little dicey working you know, with family or a friend when it comes to making the biggest purchase of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't want that person to kind of know, you know, your financials and like be in on that journey with you. Um, you don't have to use them, but at least kind of like reach out to them and kind of gather their thoughts first. Um, also, I mean, I, I would kind of interview and shop realtors as well. Like this person is dealing with the biggest purchase purchase of your life. And they're the ones going to bat for you when it comes to, um, getting your offer accepted, when it comes to doing all the inspections, once you get, you know, once you're in escrow and your offer is accepted, um, asking for a credit, if there's any repairs that needs to be done, like this person is representing you and they are going to bat for you every second of the way. And like communication is key. So you want to make sure that you are working with someone who is on top of their stuff. I almost swore there, but you want to make sure (laughs) (laughs) that you are working with someone who's on top of it because if they, especially too, like, are they going on vacation anytime soon? If they go on vacation, you know, while you're in escrow, do they have an assistant or some, a transaction coordinator to be on top of things while they're gone? Like these are things you need to know. Like you need to make sure you like, know, and trust your realtor 100%. And you need to make sure that they're going to be doing everything they can and answering every one of your phone calls, answering every one of your texts, maybe not when it comes through, but at least like getting back to you in a timely manner. Um, And also someone too, who like is good at managing emotions. Like you don't want a realtor who like will freak out at every single thing you say or freak out at everything that the sellers or the, uh, the listing agent says you want someone who will be calm, cool and collected for you because like I've mentioned, like this is the biggest purchase that you'll ever make. So you want to make sure that the person you're working with kind of is even keel and, and isn't flustered when big things come up because big things will come up. So you want to make sure that that person, um, can handle emotions very well. And also to someone that has a good reputation. I mean, a lot of times this, this business is all about relationships. And if you work with a realtor that has burned bridges with a bunch of other realtors, well, what happens if you want to put an offer on a home and they've burned the bridge with the listing agent? Well, there's a good chance you're not going to get your offer accepted. Or if you do, it's going to be a very, um, a very interesting escrow. So, I mean, you just want to make sure that your realtor is someone, like I said, you like, know, and trust that is first and first and foremost when it comes to picking an agent. Um, and then I think too, if you don't know anyone in your area, um, you can always go to Zillow and you can, when you request a tour on Zillow, actually full disclaimer, here's the thing, please, for the love of, <laughs> of all things, please realize when you go on Zillow and you ask to take a tour of a home or you inquire about a home, you are not inquiring with the listing agent of that house. It is going to a buyer's agent. So if you, okay, 
if you're even on Zillow requesting information about a home, you, you do not know, like, and trust your realtor, because here's the thing you should be, if you see a home on Zillow or realtor or whatever site you're, you're on, you should see that home and inquire about that home with your real estate agent. If you go and say, I'd like to have, you know, learn more about this property. I'd like to take a tour. Guess what? It's going to a buyer's agent. So that's an agent that thinks that they have an opportunity to work for you. And if you already have an agent, it gets sticky. And especially too, if you let another agent show you that house, they have it's what's called procuring cause, meaning that if they show you a home, they have the right to get the commission on that home when that home goes into escrow, if you make an offer. So here's the thing when people like, so I get leads through Zillow. Um, and, uh, a lot of times the people, they don't have an agent and that's why they're inquiring up on Zillow and, um, asking to take a tour of the home. But a lot of times we find out that they do have an agent and I'm, and I tell them every single time, I say your agent should be working for you. The fact that you have to inquire about a property and your agent is not a finding these properties for you and sending them to you mm-hmm. and B not inquiring for you and, and setting up appointments for you um, and see that you go, you know, kind of, I don't want to say behind their back, but you go behind their back and inquire with what you think is the listing agent. Um, then your agent is not working for you. Your agent has not earned your trust. So honestly, if that's the case, you should probably give the agent via Zillow the opportunity because that just goes to show that your agent is not doing their job. They're not working for you. You're doing the work for them. Interesting. Yeah. So when someone would use a a site like Zillow, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I almost said Willow. Willow. (laughs) (laughs) We're renaming this site now. Um, Going on Zillow. So it's, when you think about something like that, you're like, okay, I want a four bedroom. Like they always have like the different, um, search engine, mm-hmm. uh, the filters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is your, um, professional advice to people when they're trying to get a home and they're looking, I feel like when you don't own a home or you haven't been in a home, let's say you've always been in apartments or let's say, Um, you always had a one story or you always had a two story, whatever it is, you don't really think about the things that you didn't have. Mm -hmm. So do you give advice to people about like what they should filter out and what they should keep and like what is, should be important to them? Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, you have to figure out what's most important to you. So for example, like if you've lived in an apartment, um, you know, for the past 10 years, since you moved out of your parents' house, like it's having a big backyard, something that's super important to you. Well then put that on there and make sure the acreage is, is big enough to where it makes sense for you, you know? Um, so definitely, I mean, I would say, you know, don't settle. And I, a lot of times that gets hard because, you know, if you have a bunch of different filters and your search criteria, you might get really discouraged and you're like, Oh my gosh, no houses are popping up and this is what I want, but I don't think the house exists. The house does exist. You just have to be patient. But also with that being said too, is you also kind of have to be open because I mean, you could like something that is completely different from what you thought you would like. So for example, I mean, when I was home searching with my husband, when we were buying our first home, we kept looking in one area and then come to find out 
I randomly, when I was searching, I, I put my search a little bit further out and I found our house and it was my dream house in a completely different neighborhood that I wasn't even looking in. So I think too, I mean, yes, I think location is a super important factor. Um, and you know, there's big things. I think you need to have non-negotiables, but outside of those like few top non-negotiables, what are some things that you're willing to kind of I guess, give up for yeah. lack of a like better must term. have a pool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Place for a boat. But to, yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly though. Yeah. So like for, like for me and my husband, our next house, we have decided it must have a pool because yes, we could, I guess, build our own or like, you know, build our own pool if we find the dream house. But it's like, why do that? Like, why not find the dream house that also has the dream pool? So yeah. now in my search criteria, I only, I have must have pool because why am I even going to waste my time in looking at a house if it doesn't have a pool? And because pools I, are expensive. I stand by this, by mm -hmm. the way, because I'm down for the pool parties. Yeah. Right. So. You're like, that's yep. fine by me. You're like, I'm, I'm loving this. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay. So since I am someone who does not currently own a home, I am renting. So I feel like this is good for me because then I can actually ask the questions that I have never thought about. Yeah. Lay them on. Um, has there ever been something that someone has regretted? Like have they, were they settled or they did like, is there anything that you think a home buyer has done wrong and you wish they would have done right? I guess if I explain that right. Uh, well, I think my biggest advice to home buyers and especially first time home buyers is don't sweat the small stuff. Um, I think it's really easy to make things a big deal and I get it because this is the biggest purchase that you're ever going to make. When you buy a home, that's your biggest purchase. Um, every time you purchase a home and hopefully you keep moving on upwards. So it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, right? This purchase that you're making. Um, so I get it. It's stressful. But with that being said, I mean, say for example, you're expected to close on a Friday and it doesn't look like it's going to close and you're probably not going to get the keys and you already scheduled the movers and everything. Yes, it's going to suck that you probably have to wait till now Monday because here it doesn't record. So the county has to record and that's when you can get the keys. So, well, guess what? If it doesn't close by Friday, you're not closing until Monday because that's when county records. So yes, and so something like that. Yeah. That sucks. Like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Because you have to re-coordinate with the movers. Where are you going to put your stuff for the few days? Where are you going to stay? I mean, everything's kind of in limbo, but it's like at the end of the day, I mean, those two days are very minuscule compared to the next, however many years you're going to live in that house. So I think the biggest thing to first time home buyers is don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. Um, because, you know, I, I think it, it gets really easy to, um, or especially when it comes to asking for certain credits or things to be done, um, or even like home inspection reports, like they get, if you read it, like it can look very scary, but at the same time, like there's a lot of things that can just be fixed that you can do yourself. Um, so yeah, I, my biggest advice would be just don't sweat the small stuff. Like I, I know it's stressful, but in the grand scheme of things, there's little things things here and there that are going to pop up, um, that really don't need to be stressed over. Gotcha. So I guess when you're, when you're, when you're buying a home, um, yeah, just don't, don't stress over the small stuff. So I guess that leads to the question of, would you suggest that people don't plan the movers the day you get the keys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. Real estate timelines are not, they are not official. They are not set in stone. Real estate timelines. Here's the thing. There are so many moving parts. Think about this. Okay. So you are making, you are buying a home, right? Mm -hmm. Well, those people who are selling that home, they are also buying a home, right? Yeah. And you most likely, well, if you're not a first time home buyer, you are selling your home. And there are people who are buying your home and they're probably also selling their home. So do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. It's a domino effect. So interesting. Yeah. So you kind of forget about that. Yeah. Stuff. You totally forget about it. So you're, I mean, when you buy a house, you're just so focused on your timelines and your escrow, but there are a lot of moving parts. Now it's actually pretty nice for first time home buyers because a lot of times they are renting and they are kind of in a month to month situation or they can get out, you know, at any time. So Honestly, I kind of love working with first time home buyers in that sense, because we're not waiting on their escrow to close so they can get the funds in order to, you know, the loan to be, to close and close on their property. So that is nice. Um, and it's just like kind of one less domino to worry about, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, don't schedule the mover. If you are set to get the keys, you know, on a certain date, give yourself like one, at least a day, I would suggest two to three days of wiggle room because especially if you're moving out of state. Oh my gosh. And also too, <laughs> another thing is, I mean, I would also suggest that because, um, well, one, your realtor should be paying for your house, your new home to be cleaned. I, I mean, I think that's a courtesy thing that I like doing for my clients, but if they're not paying for the house to be cleaned, then you have a couple days to get a cleaner in there and do a full thorough clean. Because let me tell you, a lot of times sellers when they're moving and they don't do it intentionally, they don't, they don't do it on purpose, but the house gets left kind of messy. And especially if they have movers, you know, if they have a relocation company or, um, not even a relocation company, but if they just have movers doing it for them, a lot of times these movers don't leave it in pristine condition. Like you think they're going to. So I would definitely say, give yourself, I mean, if you can give yourself a week to like clean it up, do whatever it is you need to do to have it in pristine condition before you move all your stuff in there. And also, I mean, just a week uh, to have a week buffer zone, just in case things don't, you know, happen when they're supposed to happen. And if you say you're supposed to close on the 22nd, I mean, like this month, we're kind of in uh, a sticky situation with one of my escrows because it's Thanksgiving um, Thanksgiving yeah. week. So Thanksgiving's on a Thursday and then the title and escrow and the County, they're all closed on Friday. So it's like really this week is shot. So either we close early or we close the week after. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have to take all those things into consideration and you just have to know that timelines, they're not set in stone. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about honestly any of that. Okay. <laughs> so give me some information on the current market. So as a first time home buyer, what does the market look like? People are saying um, all these different things about, oh, it's like, it's the time to buy or the time to sell, time to sell, not really the time to buy. What, what mm -hmm. do you got for me? Yeah, uh, this time is really interesting because <laughs> um, here's the thing. In, I mean, in relation to what's happened in the past in history, um, 2020, the pandemic should have, we should have had like a crash. We should have, the housing market should have collapsed. The market should have collapsed period. Instead it did not. Um, the prices are still rising on everything. So, um, yeah, it, 
it's kind of insane um, how the pandemic did not pin out how people thought it would based on history. Um, but with that being said, it for sure was a seller's market. So even into 2021, it was still a seller's market, but we did see some slowing. So now this year, so every year, so I mean, just every year, not exclude the pandemic, exclude 2021. This is what happens. The housing market, I mean, April 1st is the best day to list your house. So springtime is the best time to list your house. That's when the market starts getting hot, heats up. And you can see if you compare charts from every single year, it'll have basically the same line every single year. So January, February, it's kind of slow. March, it starts picking up. April 1st, I mean, best time to list your home. April starts picking up. And then we have May, June, July. Once August hits, kids are back to school. People like things just it's, it's without fail August. Then the market starts slowing down again. And then we have, we hit September, October, then we hit the holidays and it kind of tapers off. And then it, it, it goes in a continuous cycle like that. So for sellers, if you're selling your home, springtime is the best time to list your home springtime to early summer. And then, um, I mean, but he, so for buyers too, um, I mean, buyers shouldn't slow down in the winter time. I know the holidays come up. It's stressful. Who wants to move during Thanksgiving and Christmas when it's cold? Not really anybody, but that's when you can probably get better deals on buying a home. So, um, I mean, but this back to this year, um, we definitely were in a seller's market in 2020. We still are in a seller's market, but it is slowing. So it's not as crazy as it was. Um, a few months ago. So back, um, I think it was in, probably July or August, right before we started slowing down again, um, our inventory. So basically there's like a statistic. Um, I believe it, we were at a week. So meaning uh, like a week inventory, meaning if all the homes in this area were just speaking of like the Sacramento area, if all the homes sold within a week, there would be no homes left on the market. That's insane. Like that's crazy. So wow. that, so it was, it really is a seller's market, but with that being said, it is a very, and like I said, when I started talking about this, it's a very interesting time because even though it's a seller's market rates are at an all time low. So if you are a first time home buyer, I mean, if you can get a rate of 2.5%, I mean, that is insanely low compared to what we've seen in the past. I mean, years ago, like when our parents were buying homes, like 16% was a good rate, you know, like, so the fact that people, and so it kind of cracks me up when buyers, you know, I mean, I get it, you know, buyers are complaining about how expensive it is to buy a home right now, but I'm like, you are so lucky in the fact that the rates are like two and a half percent right now Yeah, because that is not normal. That is all time record low. Yeah. So at least, yes, you might be buying high technically, but I don't think the, I don't want to say, I don't think the market's going to crash insane to an insane amount where you're going to lose value on your home. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think, um, what I have read experts are definitely, there's going to be some sort of a, I don't want to say crash. There is going to be an adjustment. I will say an adjustment. There's there going go. to be That's an adjustment, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy like the recession we had in like 2008, 2009, or what was it? 2007, yeah. um, during that time. So 
that's what I've read. That's what the experts are saying. So, um, yeah, I know prices are high, but I, I don't think they're ever going to crash crazy low again. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if you do buy a home, the value of your home will still keep increasing. Okay. Rather so, than dipping like a crazy amount and going through a whole recession. <laughs> I guess my other question, so I got another question for you. What is your suggestion for first time home buyers, or I guess anyone that is looking to buy a home? that I, there's always that talk of being house broke or, you know, not getting their dream house. This is our step up. Like, do you suggest people get into a home that they may not love, but at least they're in it and then working towards moving up or for sure instead of being house broke? Oh yeah. No one wants to be house poor. Like I totally get that. I mean, no one wants to live paycheck to paycheck and have it all go to their house and then have barely any money to live a life. I mean, I totally get that. But for example, like my husband and I, um, you know, his first home that he bought, it was a condo and he got it for a screaming deal. Um, his mom was lucky enough to like kind of help and guide him through the process and like tell him to jump on it. Cause she knew that the value would be going up, especially if they did a, you know, a couple cosmetic repairs and, um, kind of renovated the kitchen and stuff. Um, so yeah. And we, when he sold it, I mean, we made a good chunk of change off of it. So was it our dream house that we were going to live in forever? No, but it definitely was a good stepping stone. So I definitely think that, um, you know, yes, I understand that you don't want to settle and you want to be in your dream home. Um, but I think it's really easy to see like the house that your parents might have, or like the house that, you know, people you admire have. And you're like, well, I don't want to buy anything unless it's that. Well, it probably took that person years and years and years and years in order to save up for that. And they probably owned one, two, three, four, five houses before they owned their dream home. So I think that's a good thing to remember. I mean, it's very unlikely that someone can buy their absolute dream home the first time they buy a home. So I think it's important. I mean, when you're trying to, you know, build equity, I mean, buying something that you can afford is a smart strategic move and especially taking care of it, maybe making a couple good renovations here and there. And they can be small, just things that are going to improve the value of the house and then selling it in a, in a time that the market is good, then you're, you're making money off of that. And then you can afford your dream home or you can work up to affording your dream home. So I definitely think it's, it's, probably smart to not wait to buy your dream home and just to take those stepping stones in order to buy your dream home eventually. Interesting. That makes sense. Um, so I, I don't know why I thought of this two questions. One, do you help people buy condos? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if you need real, like have a, I guess that makes sense. You'd have a real estate. Any residential property, a single family home, multifamily home, town home, condo, even land. I can do it all, girlfriend. Oh, wow. Just buy dirt. Villa co-op. Yeah. Buy dirt. <laughs> Just every time I think I of that s- song. I sell dirt. <laughs> um, okay. What my second question was, would you ever suggest someone buying a home maybe above their pay grade and then renting yeah. somewhere else so that like they're getting people in their home to pay their mortgage, but yeah. Renting somewhere cheaper. Totally. I know a ton of people that do that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, it's, I mean, if you can get approved for that and if it's, um, you know, beyond what you want to spend a month, but if you know for certain that you can get renters in there and you can, 
have their rent pay for the mortgage and then some? Yes. So that's actually what we did with <laughs> the condo that my husband owned. <laughs> um, I, w- I was in property management at the time. So I ended up getting a free apartment because by law, someone who works at the um, community has to live there. So usually it's the property manager. So I lived there, got free rent. And so we had a free place to live and he rented it out to his friends. So he was making his mortgage payment. And so we were able to save money. So we had no, we had no rent. And so that's why we were also able to save a lot of money in order to, and then when we sold the condo, we obviously had the proceeds from the condo. And then we also had the money that we saved up from having no rent and no bills. So yeah, I mean, you have to do, I mean, you ha- yeah, you have to make sure financially it makes sense. And I would say a, a lender can probably help you out with that calculating if there's even going to be a good ROI for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for sure. If you, if you know, you can make enough money, um, to pay for the mortgage and then help pay for your rent or eat more. Yeah. Heck yeah. If you can make it work financially, do it. You just have to make sure that you do, you're certain that you can lock in renters um, because then you don't want to end up paying for a mortgage and your rent. (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't be ideal. No. (laughs) Um, Is there any other tips you you got for us? Yes. Um, A big myth or I guess a big, I guess, fact that people don't know is that as a buyer, you do not pay your agent. As a I buyer, I almost mentioned it and I couldn't remember know which one didn't pay for which. <laughs> Look at you, smarty pants. So it's because I follow Nikki B. Golf. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this though. So when you are buying a home, you know, a lot of times people don't want to use realtors. And I get it. Realtors a lot of times have, you know, a bad reputation and you think about all the money that you have to pay them. Well, guess what? As a buyer, you do not pay their commission. So the seller pays for both the listing agent, so the seller's agent, and the buyer's agent or the selling agent. And I know that's very confusing, but that's what the actual terminology is. So yeah, the sellers pay for both of the agent's commissions. So you don't pay for it. So it's like, why wouldn't you have a realtor? They work for you for free. Like they're doing, you don't pay them anything. It's free to you to use a realtor. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take advantage? Why wouldn't you take advantage and have someone reach out to agents for you, schedule your appointments for you, write up your offer for you. Cause also let me tell you, if you're trying to make an offer on a home and not use an agent, I mean, most likely you'll have the listing agent step in and write an offer for you. But then that gets sticky because then the listing agent, they're representing both you, the buyer and the seller. And I mean, I don't know if I will ever, I haven't come across this yet. And if I have the opportunity, I don't know if I will, because how as agents, we have a fiduciary duty to represent our client. Well, what happens when I representing both, when you're representing both, how am I supposed to get the seller the best deal and the buyer the best deal if I'm representing them at the same time? You're making it split down the middle. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would recommend if you are a buyer, don't go directly to the listing agent because guess what? The listing agent, their first client was the seller. So they're probably going to do everything in their power to get the best deal for the seller and not you. Yeah. So have you ever listed a home for someone and sold a home for someone? Is that like, normal? do the dual agencies in the same transaction. So, so represented the seller. No, and no, then- no, no, no. Like you represent one family selling mm-hmm. their house and buying their house. 
Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah, a lot of times that's what um, agents will do. So if a family is selling their home and buying another home, they represent that one client because that Got one it. client is selling a home and also putting an offer in on another home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that's that's my best my best tip is as a buyer, especially as a first time home buyer, take advantage of using a realtor because they're they're working for you for free. You don't pay them nothing. Yeah. And if you're not selling a home, you're not paying any agent anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much, Nikki B, for doing this. You're Nikki so B. Arstingstall. Nikki B. Arstingstall, yes. You can still find me at Nikki B. Golf. Don't know if I'm ever going to change the handle. <laughs> <laughs> I know it says golf, but I do also sell homes. <laughs> but you could sell homes on golf courses. So that, okay, Michelle. <laughs> That is my goal is to get golf course listings. I actually, uh, so we're going golfing soon. Yeah. We're going to talk to everyone in their backyard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Perfect. Mm-hmm, yeah. By golfing, I'm going to be sitting in the car. Yeah. I actually just closed. I mean, I closed an escrow a few months ago. It was a condo that sits, uh, backs up to Cameron park golf course or Cameron park country club. Also had an escrow out in Valley Springs at La Contenta golf, the golf course community there. So I'm working my way to that. Perfect. I will be the known. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. So yeah, anyone that's anyone that has a home to sell that lives on Serrano, Granite Bay, Del Paso, <laughs> Northridge, <laughs> Cotabadera, <laughs> I mean, give me a call. This girl knows her golf. Oh, yep. awesome. Thank you. You're so welcome. And again, if you have any more questions, reach out to Nikki because mm-hmm. she will answer any you can, all questions you have. You can email me Nikki at NikkiBHome.com. Perfect. And if you need a loan officer... She says she has a lender. We also have Mike Freeman. Look people up. Mm -hmm. We got lots of them. Yep. This is Unorganized and Lost, where we prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams, and getting lost isn't always a bad thing, even when buying your home. Bye.